Welcome to Butterflies of Wisdom, everyone. This afternoon with me, I have a very special person who knows more about celiac disease than I do. Quite frankly, I don't have any dietary diseases or dietary restrictions, thank God, due to my hemiplegic cerebral palsy, but I know people on the autism spectrum, and I know people with celiac disease. So I'm going to be learning right along with you guys about what celiac disease is, and I'm going to bring on Amanda, Amanda Moss, who wrote a cookbook about celiac disease. So without further ado, I'm going to let Amanda take it away. Hi, nice to, nice to be with you today. Nice to have you. And please explain to my listeners more about celiac disease and what led you to write or do the cookbook. Okay. Well, celiac is an autoimmune disease, and um, studies show that there's a ton of people that actually have it and don't know they have it. They think they have um, irritable bowel syndrome or some other kind of um, you know, stomach disorders, which a lot of times because of the mainly the gluten that we eat today, the wheat has been mod, so genetically modified, it's stronger in gluten. So that is why more and more people are starting to come down with celiac and other um, gluten sensitivities. So basically, I've, I was diagnosed about 14 years ago, I believe, or longer. And um, I, before that, it took... You know, I probably suffered the symptoms for about a year before they diagnosed it. And then um, basically I've had to learn to cook differently, and luckily I enjoy cooking because back when I was diagnosed, there really wasn't that much information on gluten-free. So through a lot of tears and I went through like a small depression because I was just frustrated and um, I've developed many recipes and tweaked many regular recipes to be gluten-free. So I just decided that to help others that need to cook for a whole family, they will be able to cook foods that taste really good, that the whole family can enjoy, but also accommodates for the one or two people in their family that have to eat gluten-free. It's interesting because I interviewed Emma Vigil, who's, a voiceover actress out in L.A., and she also has celiac disease. And she also wrote a cookbook called Eat Happy because she felt the same way you did, Amanda, Bo- Amanda Moss, about how without gluten, things don't taste as yummy. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. You, you are tweaking normal recipes to make them healthier for all the rest of us who even may not have celiac disease. Correct. They 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 taste really good. I mean, my my family is not 
gluten sensitive or do they do not have celiac and they love them and people other family members who have tried my food they would never know it was gluten free that's the key is to learn how to cook like that where you really don't feel like you're missing out and others don't feel like they're sacrificing to accommodate that one person so okay so that's the key to really look at your food as not as a special diet, but just tweak it a little bit as to make it good for you and your body, but also make it good for the people around you. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I'm going to ask you your favorite child question about this cookbook. What is your favorite recipe in the cookbook? Oh, wow. I love all of them, but um, I would have to say the potato soup recipe is the best. It's my family's favorite, and it's probably one of the best. Oh, my God. Potato soup. I, uh, I... Now I admit this to my fans, even though I don't have any allergies to food whatsoever due or any dietary restrictions, I only started eating potatoes, I, was it two years ago? And so I need to try that potato soup recipe. I need to get your cookbook because the key with diet is you need to make things yummy, as we said. So why do you like this potato soup recipe as, to say, it's your favorite recipe in book? Well, one of the I'm, – I'm not sure if you've had other potato soups, but a lot of times they're kind of bland, and um, this particular potato soup – uh, the base is actually chicken broth, so it has a lot of flavor. And um, and then you saute the vegetables in butter before you put them in the, the soup. So just the little extras, and it's actually really easy. It's not a ton of work. I mean, it's I'm bas- the hardest, <laughs> the longest part is peeling the potatoes. But pretty much. Once you get that done, it only takes about 25 minutes to make the potato soup. It's delicious, and it's it's definitely one of my family's favorites. And it's and it's one of those things that you can eat on for a couple of days. You're, it's I always look forward to it, eating it for lunch the next day. It's it's just delicious, and it doesn't take that long. And I apologize for all my listeners. If they hear a phone, that finally stops in the background. I apologize. My landline doesn't normally go off, but it's gone off twice since I've been interviewing Amanda, and I'm, like, about to hang up the landline and unplug it from the wall here because it's annoying. (laughs) It's annoying. But to get back to Amanda's yummy potato soup, recipe. So basically, do you put any spices with it or would that just 
ruin your system. Oh, definitely spices. Spices are the key. Okay. And then I so in my book don't necessarily hurt your system. No, definitely not. Spices in their raw form are naturally gluten free. Okay. I yeah. So yeah. It's the it's the blends a lot of them that these companies make that have um, gluten in them. Some of the blends you've got to be careful. But if you buy like McCormick, just their, I believe they say it's the red caps that are all gluten free. Um, basically, if you buy just basil or oregano, those base spices, they're all gluten free naturally. I didn't know that you. Um you taught me something that I did not know. So McCormick's or um, McCormick's on the red cap side, basically mm-hmm. all on gluten free. So yeah. those spices don't play wonky games with your system. Now in layman's terms, and then we'll get back to the cookbook. What happens if you do eat gluten? Um, well, the way I figured out that I had it was I was, I was feeling really sick for a while and my hair started falling out and I just felt horrible all the time. I had headaches. I was just felt all like, um, sluggish and, and it turns out basically I was suffering from malnutrition because what happens is, uh, your intestines start your small intestines is uh, starts basically rejecting all food because when you get that buildup and you get all these little scars on your in your small intestine, and basically it starts rejecting everything because that's the that's what kind of separates your your foods, and then um, that's how they figure it out. They do a first a, a, they do a blood test, I believe, for It's been so long, I'm trying to remember, but then. If that shows a positive, then they do take a scope and look inside your small intestines. And if you have all the little scarring, they know that you have celiac. Okay. So then they scope, and if they have, if you had this line from buildup previously, you have celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Now, I a birthday party a couple months ago and one of the guests um, had celiac disease believe it or not and she said to her daughter don't eat the french fries when they couldn't they couldn't eat the birthday cake either which wasn't gluten free by the way so why wouldn't people go after why did this mom freak out when uh, her young daughter, who also has celiac disease, um, goes for French fry? What does that have? What does a typical French fry do to a person that has celiac disease? Do you know? Well, it all depends if it's fried. Probably because she didn't know how it was made. Um, like when you go to restaurants, like for instance, McDonald's, their fries are safe because they have a dedicated fryer only for their french fries. 
So I love McDonald's French fries, and I can enjoy those without worrying. Whereas if you go to one of the fast foods that, or any restaurant that fries their French fries in the same fryer as, you know, say chicken nuggets, anything with breading, um, the oil uh-huh. would have have it in it. And then some fries are seasoned with seasonings that have gluten in them. So probably more so she was doing it because she didn't know how they were cooked or if they had any kind of seasoning yeah. on them that might. Yeah, because now I'm now I'm getting to the reason why she did it. Um, because quite frankly, this is about bowling alley that we were at, and quite frankly, I think they use the same player to do um, chicken wings as they do the French fries. So, yeah, that explains a lot why McDonald's contains their French fries in one player and the rest of the world doesn't. Right. That explains a lot. And so, because French fries had salt, had salt on them, does salt? contain gluten or do French fries um, put salt that is added gluten into it? Um, salt does not contain gluten and most of your French fries that even the frozen ones even the ones like I get Alexia brand or Rida those are fine and they actually I believe say they're gluten free on the bag the ones you have to watch out for, I believe, are, um, uh, I can't remember the brands, but, like, the ones that have the seasonings, I believe it's uh, Checkers, I think Checkers is one of them. Okay. They have they have seasonings on them that, and I'm, don't quote me on that, I'm not sure if that's the brand, because I, I don't really, I only stick with Orida and Alexia, because I know those are oh, gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> But um, there's a, quite a few out there that that have these seasonings on them. And I believe the Red Robin brand in the freezer, I believe they, they don't say that it's gluten-free. I'm not sure what exactly is in it. But if you go to the well, restaurant, they have gluten-free. Oh, that leads me to my next question. By the way, this is fascinating to me, uh, Amanda. This is fascinating knowledge to me. Anyway, so can we, when a bag of French fries or a bag of potato chips say on the actual bag, gluten free, can we believe it? Oh yeah, there they have um, laws now. Used to they could put it on there, and I believe, and it wasn't that strict. But now there's certain they have to go through certain testing to be certified gluten-free before they can put that on the packaging. Okay, so we can believe it because I would, like, okay, if someone's newly diagnosed with celiac disease, they're going to go hungry if they can't believe the bag of French fries or the bag of potato chips that they get at Paul's food. Right. So... There's laws. Good, good, good. I was just curious about that. So they're not sticking this is gluten free if it's 
necessarily not losing sleep. Right. And then what made you all in all write the cookbook? I'm sorry, what I I couldn't hear you. What was that last question? What made you all in all write the cookbook? What made you drive yourself to write the cookbook? Well, honestly, I had a big collection of recipes just handwritten in in a book. And um, my husband has been trying to get me to write a cookbook for years. And um, he's become a really good uh, at photography. And so we just bought a good camera and we started taking our own photographs. I have a, gr- a degree in graphic design. So putting all that together... Um, it kind of made sense to just do our own cookbook and, and self-publish it. And I'm, the cookbook is complete. Now I'm to the, I'm to the next step where I need to, um, compile it, send it to a printer, um, make it in, uh, get it in ebook format. And I'm actually going to do a Kickstarter to try to promote the book more and also hopefully get uh, basically, Kickstarters where you get pre-orders for a product. So, I'm going to try. Hopefully, that will be successful, which I know it will be because um, the universe has been smiling on me, and, and it seems like it's been pushing me to do this. So, I I really feel in my heart that it's going to be super successful, and it's going to help a lot of people because it, it is confusing if you don't if you haven't for the newcomers, you know, just now finding out that they can't eat gluten because there's a lot of diseases that they cut out gluten. It's not just celiac. There's a lot of, I think, cancer patients have to follow a gluten-free diet. There's all kinds of diseases out there that that's the first thing the doctors tell them to do is to follow a gluten-free diet. And as I said, that's the top of the show. I know kind of people on the autism spectrum, and the first thing they cut out is gluten. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's not. it takes your body a long time to digest the gluten, the this modified um, wheat that we eat today. Even people without celiac, it takes their bodies longer to digest that. Now that being said, could a person like me with cerebral palsy or any person with a physical disability could they go gluten? Well, I guess I could. Um, you can, but my husband's doctor, when he found out that I was gluten-free, actually told him it's not healthy for someone that doesn't need to to cut it out completely out of their diet. It's okay to limit it, but you still need those grains. You need the grains. And so... um his doctor suggested he still consume some gluten but to make sure that okay. his body's not being deprived. But so, so don't cut all the out, but you can certainly um, limit it. Exactly. Okay. So that's why I asked. I thought, well, since people on the autism spectrum are doing a gluten-free diet, why can't I? So um, the average person can limit it, but it's not 
healthy to become Jason's friend, lest we really need to. That's what his doctor told him. Yes, I, I think you. Okay. You need you need some of the grains that that you would be missing, and and fi- that's one thing with people that follow the gluten free diet is getting enough fiber. You got to make sure you get enough fiber. Yeah. So I, that's yeah. Why? That's my next question. That is my next question. How do you get enough fiber? You yourself get enough fiber, and I'm sorry to get all graphic on you, uh, my audience, but I need to ask these questions because I want to know the best way to now treat someone with celiac disease. I have people in my own life with celiac disease who, um, who, as I said, won't eat a typical birthday cake and won't eat a typical French fries only because they don't know how it's cooked. But I want to know, I want to not only educate you guys, but educate myself. So, Amanda, how are you getting enough fiber because you're cutting out the grains and you're making your lifestyle completely different? Are you eating more beans or what's the deal? Yes, I eat a lot of beans and um, uh, leafy green vegetables. You just, I just eat a lot more um, vegetables with fiber yes. in them. Yes, leafy green vegetables, beans, um, mm-hmm. yeah, dates, fruits, all that good stuff. There are the ways to get around. Um, there are the ways to get around lack of fiber and yeah there's ways to save your inside and make your inside very happy when you don't get enough grains or can't have grains because it's weak correct so there's ways to do it but as Amanda said do not cut rooting out completely unless you have to, and go see your doctor first, and then ask your doctor, can I, oh, can I cut back on my gluten? Because we don't want anyone to get sicker than they already are, or sick if they don't have to. So that's why I'm educating you guys today. Exactly. Oh, and more importantly, if you have anyone in your family that has celiac, it's important for you to get tested because there's a 50% chance if you have a family member with celiac that you will have celiac. It's it's a very high chance. Like my son is just turning old enough to get tested. They have He's seven, and I believe they told us they have to wait until he's, I believe, seven or eight to test him. Um, there's a very high chance that he could have it. Okay. So how good... Okay, so how does one get tested if they have the family history? Because most um, most doctors just like brain aneurysm. My mom died of a brain aneurysm, and then, so that's why I'm bringing the brain aneurysm aspect into it. Most, when you walk into a doctor's office, most um, doctors are not going to test 
used for land is non-celiacs. So how do we, as common public, say, look, I have a family history of celiac disease. Can you test me? Or how does uh, one go about doing that? I believe you just request a blood test and ask them to test you for celiac. Because honestly, I was I went to a walk-in clinic and unbelievably, the 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 female doctor that saw me must have had someone with celiac in her family because that's amazing that because so many people are misdiagnosed from their family doctors. Oh my it's amazing God. that she you figured went, it out. You went to a walk-in <laughs> clinic and they figured that. Yeah, and this was many years ago before celiac and gluten-free and all that, you know, was highly publicized. It was, I'd never even heard of it. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You never even heard of young hidden disability. And so, okay, you asked for a blood test, and then you specifically say, I want to be tested for celiac. Because I have a family sister. Correct. Okay. So you can just call your primary care doctor and say, or go into walking clinic and if they, they are smart enough, like a man is walking clinic, they'll figure that out. I can't believe that, Amanda. That story baffles me. I was very lucky. <laughs> Because you could yeah. see how, I mean, if they, I had a lot of symptoms, and I could see how, if it was misdiagnosed, how it would just lead to more and more tests, more and more just, and this is what a lot of people go through. They, they're diagnosed with all these other things that it's not, and they don't get any better because it's, they don't know to cut out the gluten, and that's the only cure for this is just to not eat gluten. There's no pills. There's nothing. It's just a gluten-free diet, and your small intestines will eventually heal. And as long as you continue to follow that, you should be fine. Yeah, so it's amazing what they found. So what would you say to the newly diagnosed celiac patient or the getting diagnosed celiac patient? If he or he experienced symptoms, you say, so go on Google number one, and what do you say to them? I would suggest definitely definitely get tested if you have any doubt. Like if you just feel, like notice if, if you're eating bread and um, anything with, with wheat in it, anything, gravies, you know, any kind of breaded food products, if you just start getting a headache shortly after and just feel kind of sluggish, and just just don't feel right. Definitely, it's worth getting tested. And if you are confirmed that you have celiac, thank God for the Internet these days. There's so much information. There's celiac.org. Uh, There's so many celiac foundations with so much information. And um, luckily, a lot of the big brands now are catering to celiac disease. So when you go to the grocery store now, there's, there's actually gluten-free sections in both the freezer aisle and the regular aisle. I mean, there's – and then throughout the store, you can usually find 
a gluten-free version of almost everything, and, and, and it's getting more affordable. Used to, you had to go to Whole Foods or those, you know, specialty stores, and one bag of groceries, you know, is like $100, so it's just, yeah. and it it's crazy. But it's starting to become more affordable, right. and there's much more available. Okay. So you would say, do you research, get tested, and then go to Whole Foods and make your stomach happy? Yeah, you don't even have to go to Whole Foods any longer. I mean, Walmart has Walmart has gluten-free sections now. The, all the oh, grocery stores, do? yes, they do, and it's you will save so much money going to Walmart versus any other grocery store. You pay about a dollar to two dollars less for the exact same item in gluten-free. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. Geez, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. I knew that. Walmart had a grocery store, but I didn't know that Walmart was kept and had gluten-free stuff. It's very small section, but they do have it. And then throughout all the store, like, they don't put everything that's gluten-free in that one little section. They put, like, the actual gluten-free brands, like Udi's, um, Vans, all the, like, brands that are exclusively gluten-free are mostly in that section. Um, And then some others, like they have soy sauce and stuff there, but for the most part, it's throughout the store. Like the the canned vegetables, if you look at them now, most of them say they're gluten-free, even though that's naturally gluten-free. They say gluten-free to help people that that don't know, you know, what's gluten-free and what's not. Because when you first get Diagnosis is it's so overwhelming. You you don't really know at, at first, and then you just learn throughout the years. And yeah, it's it's throughout the store. You'll see gluten free on so many products now. Well, that's good that these stores are getting tips to it. And where can the people find you? And where can the people find the cookbook? I know that. You said you'll eventually start the United States campaign for the cookbook. And where can the people pick up the cookbook and find you and all that good stuff? I wish it was available now, but it's not. But um, our website, which is will be up here in a few months, we're still in the building phase, but it's clockwisepublishing.com. There's a uh, contact us button. I'm on Facebook, Clockwise Publishing, and there's a sign-up form on the Facebook page where you can sign up for our newsletter, and I will definitely be emailing everyone when the cookbook is out. Um, the cookbook is called Practical Gluten-Free, and it's um, the little subtitles, Everyday Recipes with a Gluten-Free Twist. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. You just look up Clockwise Publishing, Um and you can find us there, and definitely I will have it very publicized as soon as the book is out. I hope it to be early summer, um, but it it's very near completion, and I just want it to make sure it's right and that I roll this out correctly. I don't want to rush it to get it out there. No, 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 because when you self-publish a book, you need to make sure every little key and every little I is dotted, and you need to put 
as much love in this book as you do your body. Exactly. 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 And before I let Amanda go, I'm going to let her ask me two, two, four questions that she's wanting to ask me about anything. What what um, led you to doing podcasts? What led me to doing podcasts? Well, mm-hmm. I wrote a book, books, I should say. I wrote my first book at age 23, and it's my autobiography, yes. As a 23-year-old, I now have an autobiography. Well, since then, as a 30-year-old, I now have an autobiography. And I'm working on my second autobiography as, as we speak, Amanda. So what led me to do podcast is not only did the book hit number one, the book um, shot to number one, but people started asking me, how do you do all this with cerebral palsy, which is a chronic disability? And so I thought, well, if I... Get on this podcast in my one more time and explain I have cerebral palsy. People are going to tune me out, really. So I thought, why not bring rock stars like you on this journey with me and infuse education about celiac disease with cerebral palsy? So it's not always the cerebral palsy. So. That's amazing. I'm amazed that you already have several books. That's that's really impressive. Yep. Did you self-publish or did you go through a publisher? I self-published all of them. I self-published all of them. That's amazing, and and that's very impressive. It went to number one. I really I really hope that I follow in your footsteps. And my book is so helpful that people are just excited to buy it and excited to tell others that they have to have this cookbook. <laughs> well, this podcast would help that go that cookbook go to number one because this podcast has had New York Times bestselling authors on it. This podcast has had every average stage shows on it. So my fan base decides to listen to this podcast, I've actually had over 37 downloads of this podcast. Awesome. So, your book will go to number one. We're putting it out to the universe on this podcast right now that your cookbook will go to number one and it will be beautifully done. And you get enough backing in the Kickstarter campaign. Yes. So, yeah. um, Amanda, we just want to wish you the best. And do you have any more questions for me? I don't, but I want to thank you so much for having me on your show. I feel very honored to, to be part of your you are um, welcome. journey. And I do you are believe in positive thoughts. I am I am very yeah. happy that the universe put us together. Everything happens for a reason, and 
I hope your success just continues. Everything does happen slowly. And Amanda, give me the Kickstarter link when you have it. And I'll stick it in in another children's and I'll even put update on Amanda so people know what, what the update is for. Okay, I appreciate that. And I will definitely, um, once my book is out, I will definitely follow up with you, and I, I want to send you a signed copy for um, well, gratitude. that would be, be lovely, and we can even have you back on this podcast to talk about the cookbook and the self-publishing process and hopefully educate more people about celiac disease. Okay, I I look forward to that. And I hope you guys enjoyed another fabulous episode of Butterflies. This this episode has been sponsored by Grace by Grit. Grace by Grit is a clothing line out in California, and this podcast is also generously sponsored by Go Kidder. K-I-T-T-E-R. Amanda mentioned that she's on Twitter. What Twitter does is they compose tweets for you, or you can compose them on your own. And then they put the hashtag, like, gluten free, hashtag gluten free, for example. And so, unfortunately, you guys, they all know me on desktop for right now. But as soon as the mobile app comes out, I wish you guys are on that, and I hope you guys enjoyed another fabulous episode. Thanks, you guys.